Sunday, uh, Lessons from King David. And I, I want to encourage you to go back to watch that sermon if, if you weren't able to do that last week because there's, there's some time we gave to introduction to David and why we're looking at the passages we're looking at. And so I'd encourage you to go back and watch that. And every week we're going to be looking at his life, seeing what we can learn of God through his life, how God's active and present in his life, but also to look at his life and, and then look at our own lives and see what it is we can learn about ourselves and who we are to be. Today we're looking at a story, as you heard the scripture read, that, that I've never heard anybody teach on or preach on before. And you might say to me, shame on you, pastor. You're skipping the Goliath story. But, but all of us have heard that taught and, and preached. And I want to get to this story because in many ways, this story makes David a little bit more human for us. Uh, and also, it talks about areas of temptation that not only come to Saul and to David, but I think are very real temptations for all of us. So we're going to look at two particular areas, Saul's life, David's life, and maybe even see some contrast there in their response, and then ask, what's our response to be to those things? And one, one key area, and I know we've talked about this once before, but one key area of struggle for both of them and probably for many of us, is fear. What do you do when you're fearful? You can't miss that in Saul's life. We'll see that in a minute. You can't miss it in David's life. Just read through the Psalms, and you will see time after time where he's, he's gripped with fear. You, are you? Are you scared of anything? Of course we're scared of things. It's 2020. We're scared of this whole year. We're scared of what's going to come in September. Fear comes to us all. I read a little blip a couple of years ago of how scared corporate America is of, of lawsuits. And you can just see it with the products that they produce. What, what they'll put on their products is a warning so nobody can come back and sue them. This was actually a warning on a baby stroller. Remove child before folding. I'm glad they put that there. And what's sad is, for them to have put that there, maybe somebody has not done that uh, before. Another, another label said, does not supply oxygen. This was actually put on a dust mask. As though somebody was going to pack away that bad boy when they, when they went scuba diving, thinking they could get some oxygen out of that. Fearful over lawsuits so that on a fishing lure, that had three, a three-pronged hook on the lure itself, it said, harmful is, if, if swallowed. As though there were some smart fish out there that they were trying to give a, a sporting chance to. This product moves when used. It was a children's scooter. Just trying to make sure the parents knew that this thing with wheels might move. And then there was a rotary tool that included this label. This product is not intended for use as a dental drill. I hope that video's on YouTube, because again, you know somebody did that and tried to sue somebody for not pointing that out. And then my favorite, from Nightall One-A-Night Sleeping Aids, on the package it says, may cause drowsiness. Listen, I'm just gonna go ahead and do that just worry over li liability for our church. Yes, I may cause drowsiness uh, for you today. We're, we live in fear. Corporate America lives in fear. Families can live in fear. My guess is that most of us 
struggle in some way with fear. This entire book, 1 Samuel, is littered with people who struggle with fear. It's the whole book. Chapter 3, verse 15, it's Samuel. Chapter 4, 7, it's the Philistines. Chapter 7, 7, it's the children of Israel. We get to chapter 11. It's not just Saul, but he just basically says everybody. Saul and everybody was wrecked by fear. And then you get to, or chapter 17, excuse me, verse 11. And then you get Saul being fearful twice in chapter 18. You get to chapter 28. He's fearful again twice. Ahimelech, chapter 21, 1. David's men in chapter 23, 3. The medium, the witch of Endor in chapter 28, 13. And then the armor bearer at the very end, the very bookend, chapter 31, verse 4. Chapter 3 to 34, it's just, uh, to verse, excuse me, chapter 31, just saturated with people who are struggling with fear. At, at, at some point, every character or group is scared about something in this book. So if it comes to them, it probably comes to us. And the question comes to us, how does that affect us? Do we stay there in that fear Does it paralyze our performance? Does it rule how we make decisions? Does it make us paranoid in how we treat others, as you see so clearly in this scripture with Saul's response? Saul was a man of fear, and ultimately he's ruled by it. Think about that. Saul, this guy's a head taller than it. This is a huge man. This is a very, very well thought of man, very handsome. The people want him to be king. And by the way, he's also king. And he's gripped by fear. And slowly and surely, this ruler is ruled by fear. 1 Samuel 15, 25. He admits that he feared people over God. You been there? Even this week? Where you're fearing the thoughts of people more than the thoughts that God has for you. And then you go down to 1 Samuel 18, 12, and 15. He's scared because God is with David. That's sad how that can even creep into people who are friends or, or colleagues. You see the blessing of God, the provision of God in their life, and all of a sudden they become, in your mind, adversaries or competitors. And how that can get twisted and turned. 1 Samuel 28, 5, and also in verse 20, he's, he's scared of the Philistines, and then he's scared of what Samuel has said to him, to the point that he gets on the ground. This is a king, the first king, and he's on the ground with fear. Fear changed him. Fear made him paranoid. You see that throughout this text. It deceived him, and it drove. It literally drove his decision-making. And it can do that to the best of us. It can do that to the most faithful of us. It's a real temptation, and it really probably comes to all of us. David wrestled with it. You just, you can't miss that in the Psalms, but also throughout here. In the previous chapter, he's fleeing from Saul. And even if you remember, just like Abraham did, he's, he's feigning Uh, some things, or here he's pretending to be crazy, even to the point of spit running down his face. It can make us fake things or pretend or try to hide. We all can experience fear, the temptation to live in fear, to make decisions based 
on fear and not on God's word or trusting in his provision or seeking his will. Fear can get the best of us. And maybe we just, with that fear, instead of banking on God, his promises, his work, we just, especially in the chaos of these moments in this season, I just need to get through this day. I'm overwhelmed by fear. Just get me through this day, and so I'm going to gut it out and 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 then kind of allow fear to rule, and I'm just going to do whatever it takes to, to, to pat that down so I can get through another day. But here's the cure for that, part of the cure. Whether, you're, whether it's with Goliath, go back to that story, or 1 Samuel 30, when he's at Ziklag with the Amalekites and... Uh, they take their families. If you remember, he comes back and they've taken their families and their wives. David, David has lost two wives. The men, everybody's weeping bitterly, and there's even this risk of them now wanting to stone David because of this great loss. What is it that Scripture says David does? And I'll let you go there to read all of that. But 1 Samuel 30 says, David strengthened himself from the Lord. You want to talk about the pain and heartbreak of loved ones and friends being lost. But then on top of that, the, the fear that could have come of self-preservation, of, of, of trying, to, trying to take care of your own life and do whatever it is so these guys will, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. Whatever my circumstance, whatever my environment, whatever's been put to me, as David would say in Psalm 27, it is the Lord that is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? How is it that you and I need to hold on to Psalm 27 today? How is it you and I need to look to 1 Samuel 30 and say, with all this chaos around us, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. And when we quote Psalm 23, especially in a season like we find ourselves in now, we quote Psalm 23, that, that psalm that's of David, that psalm where we say, yeah, we're going to trust that God will show up. We trust that God will prepare a table for us, even when there's chaos, even when there's enemies. And we forget his word. We forget 2 Samuel 17, 29. It's a great lesson from the life of David. This encouragement to take our fears to God and to trust his provision is not some pie-in-the-sky theology. These, these aren't some kind of warm, fuzzy hopes that we have. This is real life because God did what he said he would do in David's Psalm, Psalm 23. He did it to perfection. Psalm 23 is a wilderness psalm, a desert psalm, and that's where David found himself in 2 Samuel 17. He's out in the wilderness or the desert. They need provision. They're hungry and they're thirsty. And a people that are not from the chosen people, the people not of the children of God, provide. And they not only provide food and drink, but the scripture goes on. You can go back to 2 Samuel 17. He didn't just provide that. He also provided beds and basins and pottery, honey, sheep, HDTVs, Nintendos, motorcycles. The Hebrew even says there was a kitchen sink was literally, th no, that's not what it says. But it's everything. It's not just your hunger and your thirst, but here's all kinds of provision because that's the kind of God I am. Will you trust me with that? 
Or will fear get, fear get the better of you? I love how the King James says it. It's not pie in the sky. This is real life and truly what happened. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Right there. Not of the children of God. Just like God had said through David's lips, this is what happens. We can all be overcome with fear. It can paralyze our performance and, 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 and our trust. But, but sadly, too, sometimes it can, it can paralyze us from ministry. And you don't see that happen here with David. Can God have your past, your stuff, your mistakes, even your past sin, and use them, redeem them to bless and to help someone else. David, who has just come from, our passage, who has just come from fear and running and feigning craziness. He's been scared. He's been faithful. And yet here, in verse 23, he gives help and says to this priest's son, you don't have to be afraid. Now this is somebody who's been tempted by fear, to give in to fear, and yet he's allowing God to redeem that hurt or that past mistake or even that sin in his life, he's allowing God to use that to minister to someone else. And, and you can also see it. He's also experienced, Jonathan has, and you get to 1 Samuel 23, again, he's experienced that encouragement when there's been fear. And he's not going to let that encouragement just sit on him. Somebody blessed him with it, and I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to give it away. Who needs Whatever it is, whether it's a, 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 a spiritual anxiety, there's so many forms of fear. Don't mishear me, and I'll probably say it later. There's so many reasons we're fearful that aren't spiritual. Don't, don't let the devil or yourself beat you up as we go through this, okay? There's, there's issues with brain chemistry or a crisis in your life. or There can be all those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a spiritual gut level, spiritual anxiety here. But can God use that? If, if that's happened in your life or whatever past you have, can God have it? Whenever we've been blessed with something, David was blessed by Jonathan. He then uses that and gives it away. Whenever we've gone through something, God can also use that. And he does here to bless this priest's son. I don't know what it is for you, what that fear is, whether it's what people think about you or it's financial or it's health-related, especially in this season, or, or, or whatever it is, can God have that? Can God have you, but then can he have that and use that to minister to other people? That happens beautifully here in the life of David. And last thing on fear, uh, and this is, this is a good word for us because Saul misses this. There is to be fear, but it's to be right fear. If you go to verse 17, that, Paul misses that. And Paul doesn't have the right fear of God because he kills God's anointed. He kills God's priests. Listen, I want to be very clear with you. If you don't hear anything else that, 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 that we're sharing uh, today, hear this. Please don't kill God's preachers. All right? Are we clear on that? Good. Saul misses that. David does not miss that. But Saul misses it. Look, it's clear you don't do that. You see it at the end of Saul's life, uh, that issue that comes up later. Um, this shows how powerful his anger can be, his jealousy can be, his desire to keep power can be, but also really what's at the root of it is his fear that I would even reach out and do something like 
this. David's the exact opposite. Here, he's, he's the exact opposite elsewhere with Saul when in the cave and he had the opportunity to kill. I'm not going to put my hands on the Lord's anointed. And then last week we even talked about how he put the hands on somebody who was a part of putting their hands on the Lord's anointed. Because David has a right fear before the Lord. And so he's going to value what the Lord values. What the Lord has anointed, he will not destroy. Uh, part, part of helping us through our, our fear, yes, is, is a deep trust. Strengthening ourselves in the Lord, but also making sure to fear the Lord rightly as he is to be feared. Um, 1 Samuel 12, 14, when God consented to them about having a king, that's what was told to them. You have to fear the Lord and serve and obey, and, uh, and, and they don't do that. They don't, Saul, certainly, even though he's anointed, doesn't do that. What about you? A right fear before the Lord. Is, some, is something else or someone else creeping into that who has more of your attention or even a grip on you due to fear? Could it be an in-law? This week, as you look back on your life, are you more fearful of an in-law than you are the Lord? Are you, are you more fearful about job issues or, or, or uh, a relationship or debts or a boss or a coworker, Or maybe over what your friends think. That can just consume our time. What, what, how they hold me. Are you more fearful over the right fear? Now, it's got to be a right fear, but the right fear of the Lord. What about your, what about your children? That can just plague us with anxiety do i do i fear them and their future or do i just fear them or do i fear and have a right fear before the lord a right fear before the lord as well as strengthening ourselves in the lord are great remedies great cures great reminders for us because a wrong fear a misplaced fear will paralyze our life with god and then with others there's one more thing, very much more quickly. It's not just fear, though. You see this issue of control that comes up for Saul. It comes up for David. And again, as I look at my life, maybe as you look at your life, it can be a big, big deal. And that's a, It's a real temptation. You see it in Saul's life uh, of him grasping at control, just taking control. When others won't do his bidding, he finds somebody who will. They trust and say, hey, we won't mess with God's, we won't hurt God's anointed, but he finds somebody who will as a grasp of power. He knows God's present isn't, presence isn't with him, so I'm just going to go ahead and take care of business myself. Because it's all on him now. God's being distant, and it's all on me. Number one, God is not distant. God is always reaching. Don't miss that. Even if you've had some stumbles, God is always seeking intimacy and relationship with his people. But, but the second part of that, if it's all on you, you're in trouble. If it's all on you, the people you're trying, whatever, if your marriage is on you, your marriage is in trouble. If your parenting is just on you, if your work is just on you, if you're, whatever that might be, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're witnessing, if it's all on you, person you're witnessing to is in trouble what we're seeing here is Saul give it to me David give it to me whatever it is that's all on you give it back to God he wants it give it back to him it's not good when you and I are in control of everything 
all is to be under his rule, his reign, and here you have a ruler trying to just get his will and to grasp at control. And listen, there's two big moments I wish we had time to look at, but 1 Samuel 15, go back and look there. As Samuel, excuse me, Saul has spared, he wasn't two, but he spared Agag. By the way, if you're ever looking for baby names, there's one for you that I've not heard, Agag. And my punster grandfather, my late grandfather would want me to bring this up. If you're looking for baby names, especially if your last name is Gift or Reflex, Agag Gift would be great. All right. By the way, it's a lot better than being named Barely Male. All right. But he's not supposed to spare him. And at the end of that, God says to Samuel, I regret making Saul king. Saul will not give control to God. Or not just there, but also in verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 28. It's an unthinkable thing. I mean, God has been so clear throughout the scriptures for Saul and for us. There, there's no, no room to, to have any connection with divination or black magic, consorting with mediums. God's clear about that. And Saul, as a last-ditch effort to control and to manipulate we know what he does in 1 Samuel 28. This, this grasping at control and here killing the very priests of God to get his way, to get control. And you look at David's life and here we get, we get a, a very clear contrast. He's not perfect, but we get a clear contrast. When he's facing Goliath, What's said in 1 Samuel 17, 47? As it, as it pertains to this battle that I'm about to fight, yes, I am skilled. Yes, I can put a rock right between your eyes. But what is it that David says? The battle is the Lord's. This is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. And just after this passage in 1 Samuel 23, 2, now you think about that. He thinks about, should I go fight the Philistines? He doesn't, he doesn't just leave it up to himself. He goes and he inquires of the Lord. And then again, in that passage we talked about, when the Amalekites take all the wives and children, you would think David would, would roll up his sleeves and go and get him. Go, excuse me, go and get them. Isn't that what the Proverbs say? It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission? I think it's in there. Isn't that what you'd want to do? Surely God would be pleased. They've taken God's people away. God has so much to say about protecting families and the importance of standing in the gap for our families. Surely he would want me to go. That's not what David does. In a moment where, where he could have been caught away by passion or violence or even doing the right thing, and to take matters into his own hands for God, what does Scripture say in 1 Samuel 38? God, what would you have me do? That kind of trust, that kind of submission, it's your will, your timing, your provision. 
I am trusting in that. Life cannot be on us. Doesn't mean we don't participate. Doesn't mean we don't cooperate with God. Doesn't mean we are not stewards. But I love this picture of David when he is at his wits end over loss, over potential his own life and being stoned by these people. God, what, what, would, what would you have me to do? It's a beautiful picture of trust and submission. That life is only in the Lord's strength, it's only in His timing, and it's only in His will. And if we miss those three things, God's not going to get the glory. And that's the kind of life that God, sadly, can't work through if we're not trusting in and, and banking on His strength, His timing, and His will. How is it for you today on these two things. We see that Saul clearly misses the mark on both of them. David has had struggles, but in our passage today, he, he wins the battle on both counts. How is it with you and fear? One of my favorite Christian recording artists says it this way. What is it that I fear? Why is it I don't trust? When hiding out becomes career, what am I covering up? I am found again in this Judas skin spinning around. Fear comes to so many of us, but it is not to paralyze us or to crush us, to make us paranoid, to have us grasping at control. There is to be a, a trust. There is to be a banking on God's provision. Yeah, it comes and it shakes all of us. What will you do with it? And will you allow God to take fear, whatever it is, and use it, redeem it, and use it for ministry, which David does here in verse 23. And on that, lastly, have you had any wrong fears in your life? And you need to say, Lord, take those out. I give them to you and give me a right fear and a passion for whatever you have said is your will. And then on the issues of control, we're, we're all, especially in this season, wanting to grasp at trying to order things and to get things as they once were. Uh, on the issue of control, Saul played that game. He grasped to, to some, to some or excuse me, in some ways that were almost unthinkable. But that's what we do or can do when we're unsettled. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Have right fear before the Lord. And whatever you're taking on yourself, I'm glad that we're being stewards of whatever gift we're given, if it's family or work or service or ministry. But whatever it is, it can't be yours. It can't all be on you. Give it to the Lord. Let's pray about that. Lord, we thank you for this, your word. And as we go through these weeks together looking at David's life, we know ultimately our hope is in the one uh, who comes through the line of David, Jesus Christ. He is the one in his cross and through his resurrection that, that drowns out our fear, that, 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 that saves us and heals us so we don't have to be grasping at life and trying to control all things. You, you have proven yourself to us, and so we don't have to control. But that temptation comes to all of us. It came to Saul and it came to David. Our prayer today is that whatever area where we are fearing, that, Father, we would strengthen ourselves in you. Help us to do that. Help us to have a right fear before you. And Father, I'm praying whatever place of pain there's been in our life, whatever past mistake, whatever past sin, would your Holy Spirit give us a clear word as to how we cannot just 
Use your healing. Be blessed by your healing. But like David, use that for good and to minister to someone else. So your blessing on our life won't stop with us, but we'll be, we'll be free to give it away. And whatever area we're holding on to where we're making life all about us or we're, again, just reaching to control, Holy Spirit, by this your word, convict us, show us where we need to repent and to simply trust in the goodness and the provision of the Father. We thank you for this word. Bless now our response to it. In the name of Jesus Christ and for his glory, we pray. Amen.